Ruslan. Part three of me exposing myself. Ruslan exposed part three. Gee golly whiz, we're going to get into some... Uh, Whew, we're going to get into some stuff here, uh, preemptively exposing myself before anybody else gets beats me to it. Uh, part one, I talked about where I was born, Azerbaijan, Baku, uh, coming out here as a refugee, an immigrant, uh, my mom and dad splitting up, uh, me almost inadvertently being at fault in a way, and you guys got to go watch that, and it talks about how I carried that. Um, that led to all kinds of stuff when my dad left, sexual trauma, being molested, all kinds of wild stuff, and so that was part one. Part two, I started talking about my high school years and, and how I got into music a little bit, basketball, um, how the gospel was shared to me, and, 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 and just kind of having one foot in, one foot out, and then finally surrendering to Jesus, like finally, 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 finally giving my life to Jesus was <laughs> after me and this girl had broke up, uh, and I had this Jerry Springer moment. Uh, you got you got to go you got to go back and watch part one and two. Uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty wild. Like my life is is pretty wild, uh, and there's there's some funny stuff in there. And so part three. <sighs> We're going we're gonna to talk about some stuff that's, that's going to be uncomfortable for me to talk about. We're going to talk about some stuff that's going to be um, uncomfortable for you to hear. Uh, but I think it's good. I think it's good and I think it's necessary. So uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Going into my senior year, I finally surrendered my life to Christ. I get plugged into a small group. I uh, I meet some mentors. Shout out to Future Shock. Those dudes really poured into me, and, and they're still in my life, and I still see them around the holidays. Uh, Caps, me and Caps um, both attend Rhythm Church. Uh, I attend occasionally in Oceanside. And um, those brothers were super instrumental. They were there. I remember my senior year graduation. At this point, I'm like... A fairly solid Christian, right? I'm, I'm a fairly solid Christian, and there's 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 some things that, ah, yeah, I'm a fairly solid Christian, and I uh, I I'm I'm still wrestling with some sin, and I don't know why God doesn't just instantly deliver certain sins in our lives, right? Um, but there were still some things going on in me that were kind of janky. Now remember in part 2 I talked about me breaking into houses. I talked about me break uh I talked about me being a thief, me stealing, and there's going to be some passages I'm going to I'm going to come come back to of some 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 petty stuff that I kept doing in in terms of this type of behavior that though I progressed um there was still there were still some things being worked out, right? There were still some things being worked out. And so I graduate high school. I remember my senior year graduation uh my dad, uh, and, and, and shout out to my dad, not that he watches any of this stuff, but me and my dad are good now. We're close. We have a great relationship. My dad didn't show up to my graduation. I think my mom may have been working, and the Future Shot guys took me out to dinner uh, to, to my senior year, like graduation. Like, literally, it was just like, nope, there was no one there who was taking me out. Usually, after graduations, you got your family, and there's a bunch of people reading you, and it was just the guys from Future Shock. And I think my mom may have been there. I think she was there, but my dad wasn't there. And I remember that that really kind of, gosh, that, that really messed me up, right? And so I go, I finish school, I go to Maricosta College. Uh, I take some, I take just general education. And that girl who I told you guys was the girl that got me going to church, the girl that kind of led me to faith in Jesus. We remained cordial. We remained friendly. I was still doing our ministry. We were still kind of getting together. We transitioned. I transitioned to my current church, the movement church. And unfortunately, 
I was still dabbling in sin, right? I was still, I still had, uh, would slip up with her, even though we were not together, there would still be times where I'd go over there and we, you know, we weren't fornicating, but we were doing stuff we shouldn't have been doing. And it was, it was, it was like, gosh, I was like, man, I really thought I surrendered. I really had, really thought I had this breakthrough, really thought I had just surrendered it all. But again, remember, I'm coming from a from a perspective where I don't have a father in my life. The men that I do have in my life, they're more like big brothers. So any type of game they're giving me, I'm kind of resistant towards. My mother is still an alcoholic. So I'm, I'm dealing with like the realities of just having an addict in a house and the tension that that could create. I'm out of high school now. I got way more uh, way more freedom. I could kind of come and go as I please. They're not taking attendance anymore. Uh, and so... I start my senior year of college dabbling and there was little things that I would still do that were, that were, you know, reflective of my old man. Right. And one of the things this is going to sound funny, but this is so convicting in hindsight. Uh, some of you guys may not know this, but I, you know, back in the day, a lot of people used to shop at like Ross and Marshall's and we go to Ross and Marshall's and what we would do is we would go and we'd uh we take the nicer stuff that we like, right? Like the nice, I don't know, what was the the rockaware jeans or whatever, right? We'd take that stuff and we'd uh we'd find the items from the clearance item section and we'd peel the stickers off. We'd peel the stickers off and we'd put it on top of the more premium stuff, right? And we'd get like a pair of $40 jeans uh or something like that, you know, in exchange for $10, right? And these were those little things that were still my old man. I was, you know, I was shoplifting before and now I'm still sitting here kind of entangled in this stuff, right? I'm, 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 it's not okay, right? And, and, and that, that followed me. Those little habits that I didn't check, those little integrity things would still follow me into other areas of my life. And what they really did was they made me a dishonest person. They, 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 they would, uh, they they hurt my work ethic. They hurt my hope and belief in myself that I could provide and pay retail for something that I really wanted, right? And you're thinking like, well, what does that mean? What is that? Well, first of all, I was breaking the rules, like if we're going to be honest. And there was other little things and little integrity issues that where I was breaking the rules. And so as I kept growing up, uh, finally, uh, this is 2003. This is 2003. I finally... Remember, I had broke up with the the girl, the girl, and I still we kind of still kept messing around. Christmas two thousand and three, I was like, "Yo, I was over at her house. I went over there. I shouldn't have gone over there. I was supposed to go meet with the future shot guys. We were having like a Christmas party or something. I'm at her house, about about to be in sin, and sure enough, like her mom pulls up." Right. And I remember so vividly. And that was my son. That was like my sign. Like, Ruslan, you got to stop dabbling. You got to stop ha- doing these little things that you think are technically not wrong. But, bro, you're insane. You're wrong. And I remember leaving there and I we never, never hooked up with her again, never messed around with her again and stopped doing all this stuff. And s- six months later, uh, six months later, I met my wife. Right. And so I'm 19. My wife is 17. We go to the same high school. Uh, we, we met kind of going to the ministry I started. Uh, and we were, we were together, uh, about a month afterwards we started dating. I had this whole thing where I said, I told God, like, I'm not going to date for a year because I want to, uh, I want to, you know, the next person I date, I don't want it to be a casual relationship. I'm going to give myself a year. And in that year I still kept doing sketchy stuff, 
but I wasn't in a committed relationship with anybody. And then when I, it took six months just to break out of the, the habit of casually hooking up with my ex. But when I finally did six months later, me and my wife, we start dating and we dated for four years. And on our dating anniversary, uh, we got married. Right. And that was a long four years, by the way. And uh, thankfully, we we didn't have we didn't fornicate. Uh, we we crossed some boundaries, and we were definitely on some like Netflix and chill vibes. But by and large, uh, we did our we did our best, and we you know we got married, and, and we were doing it right, we th- or so we thought. And so in that, um, now I'm a newlywed, right? And again, I'm not still have some of these old mentalities on me, right? I still have some of these things that I'm like, yo. I'm just going to cut these little corners. No one's going to know that we do this. No one's going to know that I do that. No one's going to know that I'm doing these little, these little things, right? These little things. And sure enough, uh, I find myself uh, having co-signed a condo with my mom. We bought a condo together in 2005, uh, right before the market crashed. Uh, and then in 2008, I get married. I am not making any money, right? I'm, I'm chasing this rap music dream thing. Uh, my wife just graduated in 2008. I still had two years of school left. I don't have any like real skills, right? And I remember, I remember like the economy crashed right after we got married. And it was a scary time. Wall Street, the housing market crashed. So what ends up happening is the first year, six months to a year, I don't really remember because it was such a hard time. Me and my wife end up living with my mom, right? And that is a was embarrassing back then and it's embarrassing now to say out loud and we just were broke we just were broke so i had the spiritual side down i had uh i had the theology down i was in ministry i appeared like a christian but i still had this massive i don't know if you want to call it a poverty mentality I just wasn't becoming a man. Like, I don't know how else to explain it, right? Like, no one sat me down and was like, bro, you got to go earn some money, bro. You want to be married? Cool. There's one pastor. The pastor that I married just tried to talk to us about it. And uh, and it, it just it just wasn't working. You know what I'm saying? Like, And so we were, we were going to get married. And so that first year, man, we lived with my mom. It was hard. It was horrible. It was tough. It was a lot of drama. And sure enough, my wife had two jobs, two part-time jobs. I was still in school, had a part-time job. And a year, uh, either six months to a year, we had gotten approved for a low-income house. And um, we had gotten approved for a low-income house. My mom's place that I co-signed on goes into foreclosure. My credit is shot. I can't get into this. Uh, I can't get into this affordable, low affordable housing place. The place would have been like six hundred bucks. Uh, most places in the area were like twelve hundred bucks. This would have been a huge way for us to finally get our foot in the door, right? So I'm broke, broke, living with my mom, newlywed, right? She's like, yo, I married this dreamer, right? Just a mess. Like I'm a mess, yo, in in, in this season of my life, and again. Condo and foreclosure. Now my my credit is shot, um, and and we we finally scrape up enough money. I think we were making like two thousand bucks a month. We barely got into our first apartment. The apartment was like eleven hundred dollars for a two bedroom, and my wife was cool enough to let me get a two bedroom so I could have the studio. Right. So this is two thousand eight, and at this point, 
I'm starting to get flown out. I'm doing shows. Like we was able to scrape up enough money to pay for like a $10,000 wedding. Right. But we didn't have a plan after that. Uh, we thought, you know, Hey, she'd get a job after college. Nope. Economy completely tanked. Right. Um, maybe I, music would pick up. Nope. All the college shows got canceled because there was nothing, there was nothing popping. There was no college shows. There was no church shows. People stopped booking people. Right. And this is right as my career was starting to take off. So I'm just, I'm just hurting. And I saw in hindsight, I saw how many of my toxic poor man tendencies were, um, influencing my current state. And so I'm going to share a couple verses of you guys that I wish somebody would have shared with me. I really wish somebody would share with me. Um, and uh, this is one of them. So this is talking about, this is in Ephesians 4. Many people quote this passage when they're talking about language, and they like quoting this passage about language. Don't use bad language, right? And it's like, yeah, don't use bad language. But the passage around it is really interesting, and this was, I think, f- directly for me, and I wish I would have read this back then, right? Uh, if you are a thief, which I was, by the way, uh, I was a thief before I got saved, and I still have some questionable behavior with the tags at Marshalls and Ross. If you are a thief, quit stealing. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need, right? And then it goes into don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything uh, you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. My words weren't helpful and I was definitely not making myself useful. I'm going to look up a different translation. I think the NIV of this is, is really fire. Um, it says here, this, this verse, this, this translation right here, Ephesians 4, 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Guys, I didn't even have enough to provide for myself, right? Granted, I live in San Diego. It's very expensive out here, but I didn't even have enough to provide for myself, let alone to share with people in need. And that was my command. And I wish somebody would have read this, but this idea of making yourself useful, I wasn't making myself useful. It just wasn't. You know what I mean? I, like I thought I was pious and I thought I was Christian and I thought I had all the answers, but I wasn't making myself useful. Uh, and, and eventually technology changed and I was able to leverage earning money by selling beats, earning money by renting out studio time. Those skills became more and more useful. And then I picked up a camera and I learned how to do video and I learned how to change. Um, I learned how to change my, uh, my trajectory, the poverty over my life slowly began to change. Uh, and, and then culminated to me and my uh, me and my wife discovering Dave Ramsey, and some of you guys may have heard this story, and we're $45,000 in debt. $45,000 in debt. Ugh. We barely got our own place. In the process, remember I told you guys about that, that, that condo that went into foreclosure? Well, what I didn't know is that my mom stopped paying the HOA note as well. It was the HOA is like 150 bucks a month. I then finally moved out. I'm out. In this process... I go, I move out, and they kept sending me letters. They kept sending me letters saying, hey, you owe us $1,200 for this year of HOA. She lived, after I moved out, she lived there for like another year or two without paying the mortgage or paying the HOA. And she's just like, well, I don't got it. You know, her adjustable rate got mixed up. And it was just, this is right as the whole housing market crashed, 2007, 2008. So 
She ends up staying there. I move out. I'm on my own, but I'm on this mortgage. So what happens? One day, we, we, we're like three months into the Dave Ramsey plan. I'm like, you know what, man? We're doing good. My wife calls me. Check our accounts. Our accounts are levied, meaning that all the money, we had just paid rent, our emergency fund, everything is taken out, and it's like a couple thousand dollars in the red. What happened was they got a judgment against my mom, but because my name was attached to it, they wiped out my account, my, mine and my wife's account and took all the money out. Right. And I didn't do anything about it because it went from 1200 to 5,000. And I was like, Oh, they got my name misspelled. They don't have my social security again, cutting corners, thinking like I was on the hook for this. I needed to deal with it. Right. Boom. $5,000. Now they wiped out our account. We have no money in the account. Thankfully, we just paid for rent. We're broke. Uh, we just started moving the needle on our debt. And I, in starting to investigate my process, my, my, my credit report, I discover, remember, there was two mortgages. That second mortgage, right? One mortgage went into foreclosure. That second mortgage was still on my credit for 60 thousand dollars. So not only did I owe this like additional $3,000 to this HOA, which by the way was only $1,200, but I was an idiot, right? Again, just thinking like a poor person, thinking like a thief that goes to 5,000. We owe 3,000 on that. And by the way, we owe, I owe $60,000 on the second mortgage. This is like a couple years later, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to file for bankruptcy. There's no other choice. I'm going to have to, there's no way I could pay this $60,000, right? And listening to Dave Ramsey, listening to all these things, I was able to call and settle that $60,000 second mortgage. I was able to settle that for $1,000. And then just following his steps, call them, say, this is what you got from him. Boom, settled that for $1,000. And then the $3,000, I ended up paying more on the the $1,200 debt than I ended up paying on the $60,000 debt just because they had, they had a judgment against me, right? So I settle everything up. We pay off all of our $45,000 of debt in 18 months. And in that process, in this getting my finances under control is where I learned to be a man. When I started telling my money what to do and not just being willy-nilly and just spending out of retail therapy and being undisciplined with my finances is when I really became a man. And this is what it, the first time that I had hope that I could become a provider was. Um, when we got sued, we found out our accounts were levied. I said, I got to do something. And I had never done this before. And I did a feature sale. I don't do these anymore. You just can't get Ruslan on a feature sale. But I remember doing my first ever feature sale. This had to be in the middle of 2011 or 2010. I don't remember did a feature sale. And this was the first time where I said, whoa, right? Go back to this verse. Doing something useful with their own hands. This is the first time I realized I have some useful skills, right? I got some useful skills. And I remember in one week, I made $3,000 selling features. Some were $200, some were $500, some were $700. It was just like, yo, I'm doing a feature sale. Never done this before. Who wants a feature? Hit me up. Um, name your price. You know what I'm saying? And, and boom, that's that that literally set me up and, and just gave me that hope that I could do something, right? That I could that I could change my family tree, that I didn't have to be poor, right? I didn't have to keep on just living in poverty like like what I was expected to be, right? And so um th there came other verses that this made it a big 
big conviction for me, right? And I'll read you guys one. Uh, this is 1 Timothy 5. And this is specifically talking about, um, remember, the first passage I read to you guys, this is Paul writing, and he says, anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work, right? But must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And then this next passage is talking about sharing with those in need, specifically um, specifically uh, widows and orphans and those who, the, the least of these that Jesus talks about. So check out this passage. It says, oh, But she who is self-indulgent de- uh, is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well. Command these things as well. Um, so that they may be without reproach. So this is talking about widows uh, in the church and, and command them to be above reproach. But if anyone, right, and this is talking about like the community needing to step up, right? Not the government, nobody else, the community, uh, the church, us believers, right? But if anyone who does not provide for his relative and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith in his worst than an unbeliever. And then he goes back into taking care of the widows, right? And so again, remember this passage, anyone who has been stealing, which I was, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with others. That's Ephesians 4, chapter 28, uh, excuse me, 4, 4, verse 28. And then this passage right here, this passage right here, guys, just knocked me on my butt. If anyone does not provide for the needs of his relatives, a different translation says for his family and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer. That is a scary passage, man. If anyone has, if, if, if you cannot provide for the needs of your extended family, but more specifically your own house, whew, right? You, you, you are worse than a non-believer. You're, why, why does he say that? I don't know why he says that. This is my opinion. Um, I think, I think, and, and I could just see, I could just see people checking out right now because this is a hard teaching, right? This is a hard teaching. We don't want to talk about this stuff. We don't want to talk about this stuff, but this is the very stuff that convicted me deep. And again, it's here. Like the blueprint is here. How do we provide? Well, it says we must work with our own hands and make ourselves useful, right? Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, developing useful skills. I had the skill of music. I had the skill of production. I had the skill of all these other things, right? And then what? I, 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 I talent stacked. I skill stacked. I went from mixing music, making music, writing music to learning how to do video. And then I went from making like $2,000 a month in my last job where I was doing, I was working with adults with developmental disabilities and making like $1,500, $2,000 a month. And I was able to get a job doing video editing, right? And my income doubled, right? So now we're getting out of debt and our income doubles. And what that positioned me to do was it positioned me and my wife to save up six months of living expenses. We knew that when we had our first child, and this is, this is a personal conviction, um, but we knew when we had our first child, we did not uh, we did not want to hire babysitters or pay for daycare. We did not want to have kids just to pay somebody else to raise them. We knew for us, and I'm not talking about a nanny that comes in us. I'm talking about like we saw our friends doing this and we're like, we're not going to do this. We're going to figure out a way to build our life where my wife can stay home. This was a huge conviction. This is not an essential salvation issue. This was our personal conviction. We thought this was important to us for our family. We need our wife uh, my wife to stay home to raise our son. So what, what did it do? We position ourselves where we saved six months of living expenses. I think we had like $25,000 in the bank. We were debt free and uh, I had doubled my income, right? And I still have my side music income and about 
Uh, about six months before Levi was born, we were debt-free. Everything was good. I had this job at my church doing video, uh, not making a crazy amount of money, but I was making better money. And uh, we had you know $25,000 in the bank. We went on a trip to Paris, went on a trip to Rome, went to New York, did a ton of traveling because we knew, hey... You know, life is about life is about the change. My wife's about to come home. We're not going to be able to travel for a while. And we had Levi. And having your first child does something to you. Having your first child transforms your personhood. So we have Levi. Um, and we are uh, uh, we we moved uh, we we moved our life where my wife can stay home. And then we uh, we was able to you know finally finally be in a place where she could stay home. And six months later, again we have a nest egg. People always ask me, how do I go full time with music? Save a bunch of money. You know what I mean? Save a bunch of money. Get out of debt. Boom. We have six months of expenses. After Levi's born, about eight months after that, I quit my job. I go full-time with music. I've been full-time with music. This is since 2015. Levi was born at the end of 2014. I've been full-time with music since 2015. And I want to leave you guys with this last verse. I want to leave you guys with this last verse. Uh, so this is Galatians. And this is, this is talking about like spiritual matters. But I think to me, how we handle things on this side of eternity uh, matters. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's, we can't compartmentalize because I don't see the scriptures compartmentalizing. Oh, there's your spiritual self um, and, and your, your, your physical self. And you could be, right? Because my spiritual self knew Jesus. I knew the things of God, but my actual day-to-day life was a freaking train wreck. You know what I'm saying? It was a train wreck. And so this is a this is a good this is a good passage Galatians chapter six, um, Galatians chapter six verse uh, the whole book of Galatians is fire verse nine it says and let us and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up right so then as we have an opportunity let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith, right? Doing good to everyone, not growing weary of doing good. A lot of us grow weary of doing good. We could be right on the cusp of something and and we just give up. You know what I'm saying? We just give up. And I knew that I couldn't give up. I knew that I had to keep going. I had to keep going. And sure enough, we quit our jobs. Um, we went, we went full time with music in 2015. It was hard, right? It was hard, but you know, what was also hard working for somebody else at a job that I didn't see a future in. That was also hard, right? You know, have being married, it was hard, but you know, it was also, you know, what was, was also hard is repeating the same cycle my parents made. That's also hard, right? You got to choose your hard, right? But if we repeatedly choose to do hard things, life will become easier, right? If you, if you choose to do the hard things, you choose to discipline yourself, you choose to get a hold of your finances, you choose to press into things, life will become easier. If you choose to do the easy things, the things that make you feel good. The things that, that, that allow you um, allow you those little loopholes in your brain to, to, to cut corners, right? To still remain in some of that, those old behaviors, even though you're, oh, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't technically steal this from Marshalls, but come on, dog, you were stealing, bro. I, t- I technically didn't, you know, have intercourse, but, uh, you know, we, didn't, we just messed around. Nah, you was in sexual sin. You know what I'm saying? You was, you was in sexual sin, right? So... Do the thing if you if you if you do the things that are hard, your life will be easy. If you do the things that are easy, your life will be hard, right? And so, man, my heart for you guys, you guys are watching this, and this is this is not easy for me to talk about, like sharing this stuff. Like it's a, it's it's this is still a degree of shame that me that I allowed my wife to live with 
my mom for the first you know six months to a year of my marriage that that is very um that's not something that i'm proud of like in the least you know what i'm saying but but i really want you guys to grab hold of this stuff i feel like a lot of this audience is younger it's under 25 if you can develop skills and make yourself useful working with your own hands as ephesians says right and not continuing in that poverty mindset not continuing in in cutting corners I feel like you could position yourself for the next decade of your life. So by the time you don't have to not do your job, your, your, your dream job or your passion until you're 30 like I was, right? Uh, went full time with music when I was 30 after having my son. Those, those, that one of those, you know, fork in the road moments. You can get there sooner. You could get there sooner at 25. You can get there at 23. But you can't trick off those years. You can't trick off those years and you definitely can't trick off 18 to 22 in the name of Jesus and being spiritual. Oh, I'm spiritual. I know proper theology and I got, and I got my, I, I, I read the Bible every day, but your life is a freaking mess. You're st- you, you aren't working through these things. You're not developing useful skills. You aren't trying, you're not thinking in decades. You're thinking in days or months. You're not restraining yourself and disciplining yourself. You're doing whatever feels good in the moment. Ooh, this feels good, right? And you're forming your theology on, on just what's convenient, not what's scriptural and sound, right? And maybe that's old school. Maybe, oh, Ruslan, you know, desires his wife to stay home with us. Oh, the male patriarchy. No, it just makes sense to me. You know what I mean? And and so, man, it's, it was hard, guys. None of this stuff is easy. Just so you know, none of this is easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would have a solid marriage. If, if it was easy, everybody would break off their addiction. If it was easy, everybody would be financially free. None of this stuff is easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's simpler than we think. It's simpler than we think. You know what I mean? And so um, I was done. I was done living in poverty. I was done repeating the same mistakes that I saw my family make, right? I was done. I said, you know what? I, I got to do something different. And yo, praise God for Dave Ramsey. Those baby steps, they really gave me the tools to change my life. You know, like they really gave me the tool. And then it, and then it opened me up to his book, Entree Leadership. And then people started seeing these things and speaking these things over me. We're like, you're not just a rapper, bro. You're a speaker. You're a communicator. You're an entrepreneur, right? Man, it, but it was hard. So hopefully that's encouraging. This is, listen, if you're hearing this and you feel ashamed, don't, don't. But if you're feeling this and you're feeling convicted, good. Praise God, right? So look into Dave Ramsey. I've, I've for, for the past year, I've had the Dave Ramsey baby steps in my description of every single video. Go look at that baby steps video if you're in debt. You know what I'm saying? If you're struggling and you don't know what your talent is. Somebody hit me up the other day. What's my talent? Talent's a myth, fam. There's no such thing as talent. Are some people predisposed to being taller and therefore being better at basketball? Yes. Are certain people grew up and they're, they hear rhythmic music earlier, therefore they become better at rapping? Yes. But talent, by and large, if you look at the book Mastery, if you look at the book, if you look at the book Outliers, talent is just consistency over time, deliberate time, 10,000 hours, and then you become great at something. Okay. But this notion that you have some God given talent and you haven't discovered it yet is just nonsense. 
You have to make yourself useful. You have to put in the work and, 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 and think critically. Hey, what am I naturally passionate about? I was naturally passionate about basketball. Guess what? Your boy is trash at basketball, okay? Never going to the NBA. It's not in the cards with me, right? It's not, okay? What are you naturally passionate about? Oh, I also like music and media and video. Okay, cool. Now we're on to something. There's less, less, less people trying to do that, right? There's less people trying to do that than get in the NBA at the time, at least when I started. Okay, what is... What is, uh, what is something I'm passionate about? What is something that, that comes natural to me, right? So, yes, I think talent's a myth, but by and large, I think there's natural things. I, I, I tend to learn. I'm a visual learner, okay? Um, and then what's a need in the marketplace? What's a need in the marketplace, right? You know, you hear Gary Vee, the market decides. The market decides. We don't really know what that means. That means that it's not about what you want to do all the time, that you got to make yourself useful to other people. If people find value in what you do, you will see a reward from that, right? And so um, I, I think this is just my opinion, and I don't know. I don't know. But I think when we're talking about the meat of the faith, right, and we're, we're going over the basics of the faith. By the way, none of this is attached to anybody's salvation. If you're poor, I'm not saying you're not saved. If you're not disciplined and you're overweight, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying any of that, right? What I'm saying is when we start getting into the meat of, of, of again, from what I read, I feel like some of this stuff is going in deeper into this sanctification process. We're saved by grace through faith alone. We're justified Right. And then uh, we're, we're, we're going to be regenerated. But then the sanctification process is we now got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to live our life God's ways and to do things God's ways. And that requires dying to yourself. That requires dying to your desires. That requires laying your life down for your family. That requires you stepping up. And that's hard. And that's hard. So don't ever hear me say by grace through faith alone and say that's a license to sin. No, 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 no. That's not a license to sin. That's you having the proper identity that you're now the righteousness of Christ. So therefore, live accordingly. Live accordingly and, and seek out what God's ways are for your finances, for your relationships, right? For your body, for your mind, for your health. Hopefully this is helpful, man. Hopefully this is helpful. Um, let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think. If you're eight, man, God, oh man, I'm so grateful for everybody in here that's 18 to uh, to 22. Gosh, I wish somebody said this stuff to me. Gosh, I wish somebody said this stuff to me. Like really drilled this into me. There's people that tried, but I was too into myself. Um, Trey Van Camp said the truth. Jesus wedded to the Jesus way brings about the Jesus life. The true, the Jesus truth wedded to the Jesus way brings about the Jesus life. Eugene Peterson. That's a freaking bar. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. The Jesus truth wedded to the Jesus way brings about the Jesus life. So if you're here, man, listen, practical takeaways, develop some useful skills, grow in self-awareness. What are some things you, you naturally are passionate about? And what are some things that come easy for you? right? Delay gratification. Stop doing whatever feels good, right? And that doesn't mean you can't have pleasure and enjoy good food, but if you're just driven by the things that make you feel good, if you're just driven by the teaching that makes you feel good, by the service, the Sunday service experience that makes you feel good, okay? No, I don't, I don't want you to, to, to be there. And I'm so grateful that there's so many folks in here that are 17, 18 years old. Make yourself useful. Get a hold of your finances. Get on a budget. Um, figure this stuff out early, and you're going to be in a way better position than I was at 23, newlywed, living with my new wife, who was 21 at the time, and my mom. Freaking embarrassing. Talk about L's. Embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? 
God used it all for his glory and he was sovereign in all of it. And maybe I had to go through that to come back and share with some of you guys time travel a little bit. I don't mean time travel literally. I mean, hey, learn from my experiences. This is the version, 18, 17, 18 year old that, that are watching this. This is the version of you from 36 talking to you at 18 saying, hey, maybe, just maybe you don't have to get here at 36. Maybe you could get there at 26. Maybe you can get there. And by the grace of God, I've been able to see guys like Zach Sparazzo and guys like John Keith, guys I've been able to personally mentor, get there. You know, Zach Sparazzo's 24, 25, crushing it, you know, crushing it, uh, doing really well. And I've been able to see some of that, but I want to see it on a bigger scale. So anyway, let me know what y'all think, man. I know this is hard, uh, but hopefully, hopefully it's encouraging. Leave with this encouraged and, and, and hopeful, not discouraged or feeling shame. That's not my heart. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. I saw my mama smile through the silhouette. Sunshine and all. Sunshine and all. But she don't know that I still feel like we ain't made it yet. No, I ain't lying at all. I ain't lying at all. I remember walking back from grocery stores and she would carry 